The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And there's screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Sorry. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Sorry. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who goes this town tonight. Welcome to Call Me Lasseter Sports Talk Radio Show. Alex Clancy in studio. We have Deborah Debris on the line. Call Me Stuck in Traffic. He will be here at his early... As soon as it can. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. Big, big weekend in the world of sports. Uh, the final four uh, commence. We are now down to the final two. Um, it's going to be a good game. Kentucky, Connecticut, nobody really expected them. A seven and eight seed. Connecticut is the first seven seed ever uh, in the NCAA tournament final game uh, since seeding started in 1979, I believe. Um, Kevin Ali, somewhat, pretty much a rookie coach. Coming in, going up against John Calipari, uh, who is a seasoned veteran. Uh, say what you want about him, but he's taking three teams to the NCAA championship game. So you know you can you can say that the the one and done thing isn't working. Uh, if Connecticut wins, this is going to put a huge huge damper on the argument that college athletes have to stay for more than one year in college basketball to perfect their game, to hone their game before. Uh, going to the next level of the NBA. Um, yeah, this will definitely throw a monkey wrench into the Adam Silver plans of, of trying to implement a two-year two uh, college stint before jumping to the NBA. Uh, I walk into the Voice America studio today, and the walls are green. It's very, very vibrant, very light. You know, it's wow. uh, definitely made me feel... Maybe feel like I was in a new building. So, uh, Are they a money green, or are they what kind of green? It's a lime green. You know, oh, it, it's wow. a lime. Okay. It's an in-your-face, just like our headsets, our, our lime green headsets. <laughs> I guess we're. Uh, I have to glow on the dark green. Yeah, turning over a new leaf here at Voice America. <laughs> Literally a leaf. Oh, go for the green. Oh, uh, see what you. I see what you did there. Uh-huh. It's, it's well, NBA yeah. Green Month too, so we're past uh, St. Patty's Day, but we can go for the green now. So how's everything going, Deb? Good, good, busy, and uh, and good. So yeah, liking it, and yeah, what a weekend for sports! Holy man! Yeah, and uh, the weekend ended with the Suns beating Oklahoma City last night. That we'll talk about a little later. Yeah. Um, out of the three games, uh, the tough three game schedule at home against the Clippers that they gave away at Portland, and then at home again against Oklahoma City. I thought this would be the game that they would definitely lose. And, I, and I'm not a not a naysayer. I just am, uh, you know. Uh, just what are you, Alex? If you're you know not what? Hey, listen, I I don't want to I don't want to focus on the bad things. <laughs> um, okay, so um, let's go let's go to the final four. Connecticut beats Florida. Th- this was a very interesting game, especially to start off. Sixteen four, Florida got out to it, jumped out to a huge lead right away. Uh, didn't really know if if Connecticut would ever recover. We thought maybe okay, well this is kind of it was, it was a good run for Connecticut. Uh, Kevin Ali showed some stripes as a coach. Boz Napier supplanted himself as a top ten college basketball player, and then the tides turned and they never turned back. Connecticut made the correct adjustments. 
uh, and Florida didn't. You know, it was interesting. With having two championships under his belt, Billy Donovan didn't do the things necessary in order to pull out a win for his team. I understand that the game got close towards the middle of the second half, and then Connecticut Connecticut uh, kind of just took over. They figured out the 1-3-1 half-court zone defense that, that Florida threw at them, and again, the adjustments weren't made by the Florida coaching staff to, uh, to rectify the situation. And Shabazz Napier, again, played very under control. He had 12.6 assists. Um, they shut down the, the two stars for Florida, seemingly, uh, comparatively with, with their numbers up to that point. And the first number, number seven seed to make the NCAA championship game. And Connecticut always seems to be there. They always seem to be that team. doesn't matter what seed you are, what seed they are. It doesn't matter. Uh, the player personnel, Jim Calhoun, again, is no longer there as their coach. They always seem to find a way. And Shabazz Napier, again, and I've, I've had a crush on him uh, ever since the first game of this tournament. I've watched him throughout the regular season, but uh, on the big stage, he's definitely shown that going to school for more than one year is, is a good thing in many respects. And he, he was on that national championship team in 2011 with uh, Kemba Walker, and he could have come out that year because everybody, the Connecticut was all the craze, and he decided to stay three more years and 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 look at look at what he's doing now Kwame we have in studio uh, what do you think about the Connecticut Florida game what did you take away from it uh, I, I thought it was a great game I thought it was a fun game to watch I thought Kevin Ollie got his guys to play well he had them guys to play well all year you look at their season and how they got into the tournament they had to play obviously they had to play their way in uh, but Kevin Ollie yeah he's no Jim Calhoun but he is who he is as far as what he brings to that team there's a guy who played for the, the uh, University of Connecticut uh, it's a guy who has these guys uh, uh, like his star players playing throughout their um, collegiate career, the four years. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so much into what he's a better player because he played four years there at the University of Connecticut. Um, he is had his own decisions through his uh, journey. He has his own. Um, uh, I don't know what his background was or is as far as why he stayed in school or with the NBA, who was knocking down his door. But the guy played under control, as you mentioned, and that was a great basketball game. You mentioned something about Florida and the coaching staff and not getting ready. I thought the Florida team was going to win that game. I yeah. thought going into this game, I thought they would win because of the maturity, maturity of the players they have who have been there two, plus more, two or more years, um, who has a, a continuity, a level of knowing each other and not guys coming in and out of that program as well as the uh, as well as the uh, four year players they have there. Yeah, I mean, but they all and look at this. So they have one more game to play. Connecticut, obviously, they shot lights out the whole game. After the first four or five minutes of that game, they were more or less on fire for as much as you can be in a big game like this. And I don't know if there's going to be a letdown at the end at, tonight, and if if Kentucky just their raw athleticism will will uh, supersede. The Connecticut's, you know, more clear-cut offense, ability to run an offense, know each other, played with each other for a few more years, and everything in that regard, like old-school basketball. Do you think that Connecticut peaked too early? Like, do you think that, that, that they've lost that they've lost the, the hotness in their stroke and, and everything in that regard? I do think, you think that it's going to continue? I think it's continue. I think Connecticut is peaking now. Again, I go back to... Were we talking about them during the regular season? We started talking about doing the playoffs when teams start coming up. I think they're peaking at the right time, and their, their biggest stage is tonight against Connecticut. You look at Connecticut, I mean Kentucky, I'm sorry. You look at Kentucky, uh, and these freshmen have no fear. We're not talking about them as the 5-5 when we should, but that's a great thing 
These guys get to write their own history. It's five freshmen starting tonight for the University of Kentucky. They have no fear. When these guys get behind, we I never see panic. If you've been watching these guys play, I never see them panic. Uh, they just keep grinding it out, keep playing ball uh, until they get back into the game and take over the game. They have about three NBA starters on that team. Yeah, and we have – so uh, go ahead, Deb, sorry. Oh, that's, I was going to say, that's one of the things I really liked in a – I don't know if it was an article I read or an interview I watched about um, Kevin Ali when he made a comment to the fact that, uh, you know, when you're a fighter and everybody else is doubting you, the best place to be is in the middle of the ring and keep throwing punches. And that's the one thing I see about this team is that they are out there constantly doing whatever it takes, everything that they've been through over the last couple of years into what they're going through right now and being, you know, in the big show, that they are constantly there battling it out, doing what they need to do in order to get the job done. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then over at Kentucky, 74-73 over Wisconsin, Aaron Harrison does it again, his third Big three-pointer made in three consecutive games. First one against Louisville put them up five, I believe, with 15 seconds left or so. Uh, last game, or two games ago, um, against Michigan, he had a huge three that ended up, allowed them to win the game. And then this big one against Wisconsin, down two, four seconds left. His brother makes the extra pass. Instead of panicking, Deborah, as you were alluding to, right. it was a broken play. They're down two. And the, his brother goes under the basket, comes out, comes out the other side, three-point line. Any freshman in that position would shoot that ball. Oh, my God, it's almost, the, the clock's almost going to run out. Right, oh, God, it, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. He takes a beat, passes to his brother, and his brother hits another one. And, Deborah, again, what you were saying, there wasn't excessive celebration when that ball went in. Yeah, there wasn't because they knew that there was time still left on the clock. Yep. They gave a little congratulatory high five. Let's go back to the locker room, and then they jumped on each other when the game was over. Yeah, which is the the perfect way to do it. You play every single moment of the game until the whistle blows. And don't we give um? Shouldn't we be giving a lot of credit to the head coach uh, for that? You know, you got a lot of young kids who just hit a big shot, and that shot might have, uh, as as we saw at the end result. Won the game for him. But yeah, you give, you give a lot of credit to the the head coach. Uh, get ready to play because when we hit this shot, and I'm sure he said something that after you hit this shot, get ready to play because there will be time on the clock. And he probably shot that, and the extra pass was pass was huge. And he probably shot it for just in case of the miss, so we got time to do it again. Absolutely, and and it's funny. Calipari never calls timeout timeouts in that situation. Okay. So the timeout's called before. Wisconsin has two free throws. It doesn't matter, make, miss, anything. This is the play we're going to run. And it's funny, it, if you saw the post-game interview with him, like right after the game ended, he was like, well, that was our fourth option on that play. I mean, it was a, it was a broken play. So a lot of times players need to take care of business for the players, and the coaches don't have much to do with it. But Calipari put them in a position to succeed, and the players just executed. Well, and that's the thing, too, and you've got, you know, we talk about the mindset and the emotional aspect of the game when it comes to the players. The coaches are the exact same way. If the coach goes off the wall and is all stressed out and can't think straight, then he not only makes his players the same way, but he can't call the right plays in the right situation, and he's the go-to guy um, in order to make those calls and keep the team focused on what needs to be done until that last, you know, whistle blows. Especially with the energy, the energy level. If you look at the, uh, as Deborah alluded to, if you look at the coach and he looks like he's in a panic mode, he looks like he's not knowing to do. You might have a senior or veteran, a veteran guy on that team, but then you just brought his level down a notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, well, we don't, 
do we got a chance to win this game? I don't like the way my coach look. I've never seen him in this look before. It's panic yeah, he mode. Scared. So that's when these guys. Uh, that's why I like this uh, Kentucky. Uh, this Kentucky basketball team because the coach never panics. You got five freshmen who don't know what they're doing uh, in a sense, but these guys are going out there and playing lights out. They've been behind in a lot of basketball games. Come back to win these games, and they sit in the right spot. If I'm not mistaken, as an eighth seed. Yeah, and their five wins have been by a total of 18 points in the tournament. So you know that they can play close games, they believe in each other, and that's when you can mold five freshmen that came from being the star of whatever AAU high school team they were on to come together and finally learn how to play as a team, which took a lot longer than people thought it was going to, but... It doesn't matter. As long as, it, as long as you gel at the right time, and they're gelling at the right time, they seem to be the team of destiny. People are calling them that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. You have the team of destiny versus the team of experience, and I don't know who's going to win. I really hope that this is a really close game because it's a clash of two completely different situations. Well, I like um, Kentucky. I mean, I'm sorry. I like Connecticut, and then I don't like Connecticut. If Connecticut wins, they surpass Kansas as the most champ- uh, one of the most championships uh, in NCAA. Um, but I like what Kevin Ollie has done. I like Kentucky and Calipari, what he's done with his team. Had those guys in a no-panic situation. You you had the, uh, the guts to start five freshmen or put them in a the lineup at some point where they can gel together, and now you got them to this point. You didn't complain so much about the eighth seed. Uh, you look at the seventh seed and, uh, and the Connecticut UConn's uh, positioning. Both of those teams right now are playing for a national championship tonight. Who is the better story for the win? Who would be a better story? Because, uh, you know, Kentucky's done this before with all the freshmen. Do you think that Connecticut's too boring of a story and that Connecticut, uh, Kentucky is a repeat of two years ago? We're about to watch the Miami Heat and the San Antonio Spurs play. Yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. fair. So just crazy athleticism versus, versus just, you know, what? Just a old well school offense. Team. Yeah, yeah, well polished team. And uh, Kevin Ollie has those guys playing. You know, you go to UConn, you know what to expect. You go to Kentucky, you know what to expect. You go to UConn, you say, well, I'll be here for two years at least. Yeah. You go to Kentucky, you say, I'm one and done. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at a, 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 a mid-year marketing team in, in the, the Kentucky, and you're looking at a team that's just going to be there at the end of the day in UConn. Yeah, and say what you want about the Jerry Dome. It's going to be rocking tonight with 80,000 people. So it's going to be a fun atmosphere. Uh, we got to take a break. Uh, on the other side, we'll continue some more talk about this. We'll talk Phoenix Suns. We'll talk Eastern Conference and Western Conference playoff races. Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Kwame Lasseter in studio. They're on the line. We'll be back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Sports Mavericks Show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moye, a.k.a. the Oprah of Sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks Show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award Program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouye and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice 
Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hey, welcome back to the Formula Sports Talk. Got Deborah Debris on the line, Alex in the studio. I was uh, a tad bit late, but the show seemed like it was running well, as usual. Always got the right people around me, I think. Alex can hold it down. Kenny. (laughs) Too early in the morning. Call me. Come on. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you if I I was in traffic then, and that's the reason, but there's a whole lot of stuff. Or did I just do that? I got back spouses, man. Backspasm. Remember, I thought you were joking. No, like I'm when dead, you texted me I'm, that, I'm, I'm that's all we talked about last Friday was yeah. backspasm. Well, everybody has the backspasm. Eh. All the top athletes have the backspasm. So why wouldn't I have them? I'm still a top athlete in my golf world. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's about to get crazy. I'm supposed to go to Dallas tomorrow, and then you mentioned something off the air that go a day early. Just if I could get tickets. Get on a flight, yeah. Who do I know? You got Jerry Jones' phone number, don't you? I would never put his phone number in my phone. <laughs> never. But that's going to be a packed place tonight. Oh, yeah. And it would be it's great be to go. Hard. I wonder if, if I could get tickets, I would leave tonight. Yeah, I'll bet. No doubt. Why not? But who do I know? Mm. You knew people in Dallas before? Oh, I guess that was the Super Bowl, so it was different. Well, I still know some people in Dallas. But I'm trying to figure out who do I know to get tickets. Yeah, that's the thing. I know people in Dallas, but yeah. I don't know anybody <laughs> can get tickets. Larry Sinners. I wonder if he can get tickets. I don't know. But you mentioned Alex in the last segment. It's going to be a packed house, 80,000. Yeah. The house that Jerry Jones built. And we talked off the air that you're not going to build anything if you don't already have it packed up or lined up with events that's supposed to come there uh, doing, our, doing that entire time. So uh, UConn, Connecticut, Kentucky will be there tonight for the national championship game. You're talking about an 8 seed, 7 seed. You're talking about uh, – I, I think these – both teams are seasoned. And I look at the coach, and I, and I call Kevin Ollie's season as well. Even Calipari, he's been here um, out of the past three years twice. Mm-hmm. He's been in this uh, this situation, so his guys know. Even though these guys are freshmen, he has sophomores, juniors on his team. These guys know this is where we belong, so they're going to play us of such. And, you, and we mentioned in the last game there was no panic mode about them. There was no panic mode about the coach. These guys been hitting big shots all tournament. They kept them in games. They knocked off the number one seed. They played a close game. They blew teams out. I think this freshman squad has no conscience. Yeah, I mean, they had the toughest road. You know, that was the that was the bracket from hell. And Wichita State was like, well, they have to beat all these teams. Connecticut, I mean, uh, Kentucky beat Wichita State, Louisville, Michigan, and and uh, Wisconsin last night. Who else? They, they beat one more team that I'm missing. Do you think any team, Deborah? Oh, they beat Alex, the nine seed that they played. Deborah, Alex, do you think any team now... Can say now we obviously at the end of this at the end of this tournament we can say well this team was better but when these two teams 
one of these teams winning that championship, you could say that this is the uh, this is the national championship right here. This, this is the squad right here. Well, I mean, and that's that's the whole question about the NCAA tournament. How much of it is due to luck, and how much of it is due to supreme talent over everybody else? Because I mean, you can beat anybody on any given day. I mean, look at the Fi Slamma Jamma, the NC State, uh, uh, Jimmy Valvano, not Fi Slamma, yeah, Fi Slamma Jamma, yeah, with Hakeem and, and Clyde Drexler. Yep. You know, was <laughs> NC State the best team? No, not in the tournament, absolutely not. But they're the NCAA champion, and, and they go down as history as probably the worst team to win an NCAA championship. Which, but I mean. Is, these, these two teams, they didn't have to beat one team to get here, they had to beat multiple teams in order to get to this spot. <clears throat> and that's why, and that's why I say anybody to win a national championship, you. Regardless, if you're in a weak bracket and you that, str- that team that has the strength, well, you got to go to another region also. So you have to start playing teams that's good, but you have to play these games. And you mentioned any given game a team can win. I've, I've always said that when a shooter is on, he is on. It's hard to stop him. And then he opens it up for the rest of his team. So they have to play multiple games. What is it, eight games that these guys play? Uh, from the time they start, or is it... No, it's five games. Yeah, so it's six for the National Championship. Six for the National Championship. Five games that you have to play, uh, so... Well, this is the thing. I mean, these two teams, they had to, for anybody to get to this this point, not only do they have to have talent, they have to know how to keep the resiliency up. They have to have a consistency. They have to keep the the culture of the team together so they continue. If one guy is down that day, you know, down on that game, they've got somebody else can move in and can move into that spot and play like the rest of the team plays. I mean, there's a number of factors in this entire picture that requires a team as a whole as well as the individual players to be able to be at their absolute best to get through that bracket to get to where they are. Yeah, now do you think that, and and both of these teams, Connecticut and Kentucky, neither of them have great benches. So this is going to be the starting five at the starting five. You have the young kids that have infinite energy, uh, seemingly, and you have Shabazz Napier and the other, the other backcourt kid who's a junior, I believe. Um, do you think that the AAU ball, with how important every game is in those tournaments for these kids at Kentucky, when they played AAU ball with everybody watching them, all the scouts, NBA scouts, college basketball scouts watching them, do you think that that prepped them for a game like this, for a stage like this? Like, they've been under this, under this spotlight since they were probably 12 years old, playing 12U AAU ball. I'll be, I will be willing to bet. Or is I, that for I, everybody? I, I, will be, I will be willing to bet a lot. That those kids, when they were in AAU, when they played at a high level in high school, and a lot of kids, and we know how high schools recruit when they're not supposed to, yep. you get to, you get this kid to go to this this certain school in this district. I bet their whole thing was about to play in this game right here. This not this NCAA. Uh, you know, we could talk pro about a twelve year kid talking thinking pro, but I bet it was this game right here and knocking down big shots. If you're not, you can't hit a big shot if you're not ready to play in that big time that spotlight. It's imp- it's not impossible. But it is rough. It's tougher to hit a big shot if you're not ready for it. So these guys have been prepped for this since they were 12 years old, since they've been playing in these AAU basketball games. They travel in AAU. They travel mm-hmm. across the country and play. And we see some of the greatest talents. We look at the McDonald's All-American. It's like it's almost a slam dunk fest in that, in that thing, in that game. Uh, but do you have guys that can shoot? You have guys from all over the, the country sometimes. Um, and we look at this, the spotlight that they're on. So they can't wait to get to one of those top universities to hit, to be on this stage, to be playing in front of $80,000 in Dallas uh, one night to, with a chance to win a national championship. So I think they definitely was prepped for it, but it's always been in them to play on that big stage, that national stage, that, that worldly stage that they're on, that they're about to be on tonight. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I and I would agree with that too because when we look at I mean, you know, the whole when I write my book about averages and addiction, success is an addiction as well. When you can know that you can depend on yourself and you expect to win, that even if you lose, you know that you've expected to win, so the next time you go out there and play, your expectation is still to win. And you have that mindset that's been built all the way through from high school all the way through that when you get to this point, just as you said, Kwame, that they expect to go out there and win, nothing less. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because your book falls right into this. If you, it's kind of just in life too. If you go through the day and say, well, I got to do this and I got to do that, and you're not expecting to do it, it's just something just you crossing off your list. When you expect to be successful, it, it, it'll happen. It'll happen at the end of the day. And the end of the day is not today. It might be next week. The end of the day might be next month or a year. And it may seem cloudy, but at the end of the day, and you suspect you expect to be successful, it happens because it keeps you on the path of what you're trying to do and where you're going. So, yeah, these guys in the stage, and, that, and average is addiction. Um, well, that's the thing. It's all about statistics. It's right. not about you know winning everything or going for perfection because that's an unrealistic goal. It's about having the greater statistics that – uh, you win more than you lose, and whenever you do supposedly lose, that you understand what you did right and what you did well uh, wrong, and you know what you did well, you start to leverage it even more, and what needs to be upgraded or changed, then you make that adjustment, and you go again, and your level of expectation, your courage, and your confidence goes right up there with it. Let me ask you guys this: We talk a lot about these uh, NCAA's and these two teams, and uh, I think I mentioned that Kevin Ollie is seasoned a guy who played 10 years or 10 or 11 years in the NBA, a guy that played at UConn at a high level, um, gets the coaches. It's got to be, got to be a dream job. Get the coach, the team that you play for, get the coach at a universal university level, got his team in the championship game. No one expected him to be there. No one. If you didn't go to UConn, you didn't put that on your bracket that they was going to play in the national championship, but you know the history of UConn. I mentioned that UConn, if they win tonight, they will pass Kansas for, as far as national championships concerned in the NCAA. Is anybody paying attention to the women's basketball? Because they, they play basketball tonight. I think they have a game tonight. Tomorrow. 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 Oh, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow. Teams are in. Tomorrow. Yeah. Is women's basketball, and, I, and I was thinking about this, and my answer is yes. Is women's basketball more exciting than the WNBA? That's interesting. Um, I think. Well, I mean, well, you look I, at the I game, guess. Look I at guess the game the answer, tomorrow. Look at the game tomorrow, and, that's, well, and tell me you won't watch and, it. And that that is kind of a point against what I'm trying to say. The game tomorrow, you expect two number one seeds to be in the national championship. Well, five five other teams could have been there. We looked at uh, you look at Maryland, Stanford, and all those guys. You you look at. The, uh, who, uh, who was in that but game? But Connecticut's always there. Yeah, Connecticut's always Connecticut's there. Connecticut's always there. It's a historical They always banker. get the number one player in the country, and then they put the number two, three, four player in the country. They stay four years, and, I mean, this is this is how Gino R.E.M. has done it. He has a system, and it's worked and worked and worked. They're undefeated all the time. I mean, it's... He recruits the best. I mean, I, I, don't, think yeah. he, I don't even think he has to recruit anymore. But he also recruits character. He recruits yeah. a lot of different yeah. things, and that's what the University of Connecticut brand is all about, men or women, yeah. or, or football, or, you know, baseball. It doesn't matter. To answer your question, yes, I think that college basketball is more uh, exciting. Women's college basketball is more exciting than WNBA because you can always look for that undefeated season. You can always look for the national championship. You can always look for things in that regard. And I think that when you're playing, when you're watching the LifeLock Mercury or whatever whatever Phoenix Mercury is now, because they they have they have all the logo, they NASCAR. have all the uh, advertising all over them, right? That it, 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 you kind of get lost in translation there a little bit. Well, the NCAA has more money than the WNBA, which is which is yes. crazy. Which on a professional <laughs> level, and you can't get the marketing. We've had different uh, 
what 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 I want to say, uh, GM. I want not, not GMs, but an overall of the of the sport itself. Commissioner, I should say, a woman women's commissioner. They should be able to have that marketing, and I, I know they have marketing in place, and this is why the women have NASCAR imagery <laughs> on their on their jer- uniforms. Um, but the, when I think of the basketball, and I've been to some WNBA basketball games, unless there's a superstar coming out like a Brittany Griner that you want to go see, or you, you got well, to, a, you have Tarasi here too, Dan, yeah, and they keep the game afloat. It's almost like a leader of their own. You see the the. Uh, the baseball game of a leader on it reminds me of that when I watched it. But then you talk about the collegiate level, of the, the um, WNB, the women's basketball at the college level. It just seems more exciting. It seems like you will watch that before you watch a WNBA game, and maybe because all the stars are spread out to different teams. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that that's this might be a pretty jaded um, opinion on both of our parts because we don't yeah watch don't, every game exactly. You and know, I, and, and I don't I don't watch women's basketball when Connecticut's on TV. I watch them. When Stanford's on TV, I watch them. When Maryland, when they were good, is on TV, yeah. I watch them. No you know, Dame. Yeah, right. I watch those games, but normally, even if they're playing the number four team and they're the number one team, they're up twenty five at halftime. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's a, that's a total juxtaposition of the argument because the good teams are so much better than the middle round teams. You got just, teams like Baylor. Baylor was supposed to be in a, in a championship game. Like as I mentioned, you can have four to five other teams playing in this game tonight, and you will watch it as opposed to watching a regular WNBA game, and that shouldn't. And I say that, as I say about, that, it was more the successful. Think that you're in whenever you're watching it, too. Because, and that could be, and by that I mean, if you're watching a um, women pro basketball game, then those gals are making fifty, sixty thousand a year. I mean, you know, I mean it's, it's pitiful what they're making as far as the salary is concerned. You know, the people who show up to watch the game are true fans, but how many people actually show up? And if you're sitting at home, by this is what I'm saying about what house are you in? It could be sitting at home. It could be in. It could be in the stands. You know, the crowd is not nearly as um, uh, exuberant. Those that are there are, but you don't have the masses of the crowd around them. You know, you go to a college game, and I'm I'm can't say this from experience because I've never been to a college period. I've driven by one, been on campus, but that's a whole other story. Um, anyway, you get the, the people in the stands. It's a different, I think it's almost a different level of excitement whenever it's college people rooting for other college people who are on the court or on the field or wherever they might be. There's that, that there's school camaraderie. You're playing for something more than just yourself yeah. or the team yeah. or the piddly paycheck. Yeah, I mean, that. I'll tell you what. I went to a Mercury game with you, actually. That was much louder than any Suns game I've ever been to. Well, you and know it was, it was ha- Well, don't take, take the kids away. No, that, well, take the kids, take kids away. Kids away. Leave then, the kids then, alone. Then that comment, <laughs> that comment, <laughs> then you can't make that statement in if you take the kids away. Oh, God. Was, oh, was, so there were 10,000 kids there. <laughs> it it could have been more, but. Oh, God. Defense. Oh, I can't. Okay. <laughs> can't. It was awful. Yeah. I, I, you know, people. When you, when you talk about the college level, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get into something real quick. But when you talk about the college level of uh, people who didn't go to college, as opposed to still went to college but wasn't on the campus, I think they just they miss out on the college stuff. But they they got the same end result. They still got their degree, their education, or if that's where you, if that's why you went to college. But college is like just an experience, really, more so than. Not as not I wouldn't say not as bad as just getting your education, your degree. Just going on a college campus, you develop an experience and stuff. But everyone doesn't have to go through that experience because life happens and you have to do other things, and then you have to maybe just go online or something like that. Uh, but why does why doesn't the um, women who get the same injuries 
play the same sport, get as much as men. I can answer this question easily, but I'll just throw it out there. It's like, why don't they have a great marketing strategy or a scheme or to get these women? Because they play basketball. It's more exciting. Like when you watch women, I watch, I will watch women golf just as much as I, not for that, Alex, but just no. as much as I will watch. <laughs> get out of here with that. Just as much headphones. as I will watch um, male golf. I learned how to play golf, as I taught myself, but from watching women and older and the senior guys because of the structure of the game and how the game is played. But why don't they get the same amount? Like, there's a different purse for every women's sports to, to male sports. Right. Well, I mean, I think that one of the mistakes David Stern made when he started the WNBA was spreading too thin. They weren't as many good women basketball players as there are now, but you wouldn't know because there's 46 teams. If you kept it to 12 teams, you made every team good, I think there'd be a lot more following. There'd be a lot more. This is a far cry from Cynthia Cooper, Tina Thompson, and Cheryl Swoops on the Houston Comets when they won three championships in a row. Cheryl Miller. Cheryl Miller didn't play in the WNBA. She was too old. No, no, no. I'm saying, but she, no. was, a, she was a great college. Um, yeah, you, well, USC, that was yeah, USC. USC. Yeah. Um, but I remember watching... The Houston Comets, when they first started playing, they were so good. They were so good. It was so fun to watch. Cheryl, Cynthia Cooper, it's Cynthia Cooper was the, the, my most favorite women's college basketball, uh, women's NBA basketball player ever. Um, but back to the thing, I think that David Stern spread it out too thin by starting so many franchises. And don't be surprised that in five years, with David Stern not the commissioner of the NBA anymore, it becoming defunct. I don't want it to. I think it's a great thing for for girls watching their at their you think their the idols watching every is going away for the women. I mean, de- I mean, I think it's closer to that than expanding. I just don't think the money's there. I don't think the people want to go watch women's basketball, which I think is a travesty. The travesty well, is you this: think of it all the way around. If you don't have uh, you know big sponsors that are going to throw their money in, you don't have the TV, so you're not going to get as much as that, or certainly not as much play as you're going to get for the men's. And it doesn't matter what sport; you could name any sport, and it's the same. You could you know talk about um, boxing or kickboxing or extreme sports or whatever; it's the same thing all the way through. Women do not get the same type of. Um, recognition and or money that the men get. No, true. But then you could also say the same about the MLS. I know it's I know it's uh, it's a men's sport, obviously. But it looked like the MLS wasn't going to work here too. And if you say David Beckham's name is the reason why it's been resurrected, I'm going to leave. I, I think that David I, I Beckham think, is the reason why it was resurrected. Okay. <laughs> just to get him to leave, right? The tri- the tri- <laughs> but but you, under, you, you understand what I mean? Like the MLS has resurrected itself. I understand that soccer is becoming more popular in the United States now, especially with the World Cup coming up and and everything in that regard. And the U.S. team being relevant, but I truly believe that there's a chance for the WNBA to get a stronger pulse. I just don't think that more money coming in is going to be the reason why. People know the WNBA is there. The only, the only thing that the marketing and the money affects is the players and coaches themselves. So, I mean, the tickets are cheap. So, I mean, I'll go watch the games until they become $70 tickets. Well, and I think part of it is somewhere, somewhere along the line for people to watch, someone has to, it has to be equated to, that's cool. I, I've got to be in the in-group. I've got to be the one, you know, I don't care if it's music or whatever. There's people jumping on different bandwagons as far as music is concerned or sports or whatever it might be just because somebody else said it's cool and you want to be like them. You know, so that plays into it. That's certainly not the answer, but that plays into it as well. I think the travesty is this. We talk about the, M- the WNBA uh, not enough crowd. They had to bring kids. We went to the game. We had to bring 
ten to 15,000 kids to the stadium to even pack. They play at different times. They play at 12 noon um, during some times of the year. The travesty is this. If that sport went away, then we'd be talking about why no one can keep it going, why they couldn't right. get the money to find, find the money to keep this sport going. I think there's a place, and I hope in five years it's not disinvolved. I hope there's a place for the WNBA. There's too many talented uh, women out there, and there's too many dreams and goals that these, got, these girls that want to play in the WNBA that you would be shattering. You got to keep that stuff alive for it's not that what are they going to do if they don't play basketball because most of these girls have to go to school for four years, so they're getting there. Their education, their degree rate, their their rate is way higher than any than any of uh, the male sports, collegiate sports. They would be something for them to do, but and playing basketball in college and being able to achieve and go through there, have their passions for a few years, I think that should be that should be that's warrant for them. That should be something they should be able to do. So I hope the sport is not done in five years. Well, I think, like Alex said too, though I I, I agree with the. You know, when you dilute when you dilute something like that, then the talent level goes down. So I would think it would be less, um, even almost less fun to play as a player. In other words, if if I were a woman on a team, and the talent that I was playing with or against was not equal to or better than I was, then where's my aspiration to grow and get better? Um, so I, I keep thinking, like like Alex just mentioned, when you dilute it, then it loses its uh, potency, whether it comes to the players and or to the audience that's watching, and also to sponsorships and such. Yeah, when Airtime. you don't, well, when you don't have a when you just got that one team, and if we used to look at Tennessee, the Volunteers, the women's Volunteers, as that dominant team. Now UConn, you just go back and forth between those two: UConn, Stanford, Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, Baylor came into the fold when Brittany got there, or maybe a year before Brittany got there. If the competition's not good, if you just got one or two teams that's dominating the entire lead every year, you get tired of watching that, then you, you, you'll say, well, I know who's going to win that game. You, 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 I know who's going to win that game, so I don't need to watch it. And if you're not watching it, then TV, the revenue goes down as far as television. Right. No one's watching women's game anymore. And that happens with a lot of things. But and on the women's side of, of sports, if you don't watch it, then eventually they will take it off because there's no money in putting it on TV. As I mentioned, we went to a game. The game was at 12, 1 o'clock during the day. Right. So, so well, think about even the men's. If you go to, like, um, NFL, you know, the, if you have a team that's not playing as well or a couple of teams that you're, you know, they're just not as good, you tend not to watch them as much. Right. When, 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 it's Cincinnati, when they were playing yeah. or, you know, the Titans or different, te- you know, at different times over different years, there's teams that, you know, Jacksonville. Weren't as good, so you don't watch them. You go to the other teams that are much more exciting to watch. And that's why these got a lot of these teams Well, you, you get a lot of these organizations, organizations as far as the football NFL is concerned. When Jacksonville and Cincinnati play, nobody used to watch those games. Cincinnati mm-hmm. became relevant. Um, they can't get out of the playoffs. First round of the playoffs. But if you're not, a lot of these organizations used to argue and with the commissioner, we need more TV games. So we need to build our brand, build our market. Well, you need to win some games, and you can, and, and teams will watch your team play. Right. Well, that's why so much money is spent in the draft to get the best of the best to build your team, so your team can win, so the money can come in, so everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon and watch, and at the end of the year, say, "Oh yeah, I picked them." Yeah. yeah. Well. We're hoping that the Suns can do a lot through the draft this year if they don't make the playoffs, right? What are you talking about? The Suns are in eighth place. That's where they belong, in eighth right now. This is a bit. If they win, the Suns beat the Oklahoma City Thunders last night. But if they win, 
that eighth spot. They, that's the first. Thing, that's the first thing they have to win. Uh, I don't like the post game comments or interview, if you will, when they say, "Well, we 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 knew we would win this game, or we're supposed to win this game." Well, you're supposed to beat a lot of teams before you got to Oklahoma. <laughs> just just say. We should be. We this is a team that we want to compete in every game, and if you compete in every game, you do have a legitimate chance. Don't say that you just Oklahoma's a team that we know we can beat. Whereas a lot of teams think they can beat those players. The seventy six didn't think they would lose twenty six straight games. Right. This grown man. These are grown men playing in the sport of their passion. They didn't think they'd lose twenty six games. For the Phoenix Suns to have their post game interview the way they did, it's kind of sickening uh, because you you're fighting for an eighth spot, and if the Grizzlies didn't lose, you'd still be tired for that spot. But now you have it alone because I, I think Dallas. Grizzlies lost. Grizzlies lost. And Dallas, they're only a half game behind Dallas right now. Yeah. For but the seventh seed. For the seventh seed, right. Yeah. So they. And, and, it, and it's, it's fun to watch how this going to all fold out with these last three to four games left. It's fun to watch five games left. They have a tough stretch. I mean, they go Wednesday. They only in, have one more game at home, right? Yeah, Wednesday in New Orleans. Then they go Friday, Saturday, back-to-back Spurs Mavericks. That's going to be really tough. We're hoping that, that San Antonio will have let them win so they can yeah, play them first and get yeah, them out the way. Yeah. Well, no, that they're going <laughs> to rest their players. Uh, Tony Parker left the game last night with back spasms. And, Why do you say it like that? Well, because we've been talking about it. It's a theme. Um, so, but then they go. So they go Spurs, Mavericks. Then at home against the Grizzlies, which is the game I'm going to after the Suns marketing event that I'm going to. And then they finish up the season at Sacramento. Memphis, on the other hand, it seems it's like they have equally as difficult schedule. But the Suns are playing like either medium or really tough teams. And the Suns, uh, the uh, Grizzlies, go at home against the Heat on Wednesday. At home against the Sixers, and then at the Lakers, and then they come to Phoenix the next day and play here on the 14th. The Grizzlies? And, yeah, and then they finish at home against the Mavericks. So the Suns, Mavericks, and Grizzlies all play each other within the last three games of the season. So we're gonna, this is going to come down to the wire, and this is going to be really, really interesting to see what transpires. Because last night, I saw a team that believed that they could make the playoffs. I saw a team that... And also, also with help with Russell Westbrook jacking shots like he always does, which helped. They looked really, really good. They're twenty and zero when they shoot over fifty percent from the field. They beat. They won the season series for Oklahoma City this year two one. Were they forty eight percent at the uh, behind the arc? Yeah, I mean, well, and I mean, yes, they were seemingly on fire last night. They made clutch free throws. Markeith had four huge free throws towards the end of the game, and you know they looked like they deserved to be there. If you can beat Oklahoma City, you can beat anybody. In my opinion, at least in the West, I just don't, I just wouldn't want to play the Clippers. And that's the team, the Oklahoma City Thunder's that the Phoenix Suns beat. That's the team that that's controlled the San Antonio Spurs this year. So, so it's going to be interesting to watch how all 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 this fold out. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and the if, Clip- they, if the Suns get in, they have to finish strong because you just mentioned they have a tough schedule. If they finish strong, and if they hold on to the eighth, seventh seed at some point, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out as far as San Antonio. Playing the Phoenix Suns or Oklahoma City Thunder playing. Well, Phoenix I mean, Suns. And now let's not count the Clippers yet because the Clippers are only a game behind Oklahoma City for the seventh for the second seed. So the Clippers and I, you know, it pains me to say this, but I'm a realist. The seemingly the Clippers might be the best team in the Western Conference. I mean, Chris Paul, uh, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Matt Barnes, uh, Darren Collison, Big Baby Davis coming over from Orlando was huge. Uh, Danny Granger's been out five games; he's always out. Um, but he's there. St- the Clippers I mean, are the Cincinnati Bengals to me. 
What do you mean? They, they're great they, in the regular season and losing the playoffs. And they're gonna lose in the playoffs. Well, and it, I hope. I mean, I and I and I believe that too. I believe Blake Griffin folds in the playoffs, and they don't have a low post game. That and I've said this since day one that we've been talking about the Clippers on this show. And but Blake Griffin's gotten so much better, and and he I has, can't. He was third in. Uh, well, if you listen to all the talk, he was third in the MVP. He's yeah, he's he's averaging twenty four yeah. and almost ten rebounds a game. So that's that's hard to do. And this will be the playoffs, which will determine the rest of his career, in my opinion, how he's going to perform. If you can't perform in the playoffs after this year, after this fantastic year that you've had, when are you going to? Kwame, last sports talk, sports talk. We'll take a break. Alex Clancy in the studio. Deborah's on the line. We'll come right back and finish up the show. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Welcome back to the Cormelotti Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in the studio. Deborah DeBree is on the line. Last segment, 888-346-9144 is the number. If you want to call in and be a part of the show, if I could get to Dallas tonight, I will go to that game. I got to find out who I know with some juice that I can get into that stadium. But if not, I will be in Dallas tomorrow. So I'll be calling to the show the rest of the week. Um, we talked about the uh, NCAA. We talked about the um, the Phoenix Suns. Not the, yeah, the Phoenix Suns and the N- NBA. Do you guys have you guys heard this? Let's move over to baseball real quick. To stop uh, Tommy John surgeries or Tommy John's injuries, have you guys heard this? They're talking about moving. Don't be surprised if baseball in the next five years, Major League Baseball in the next five years, move to seven innings instead of nine innings. Wow. It's interesting. It's interesting in the sense that if you're in a seven inning and and it goes on from there, you don't have to pay pitchers for nine innings because most pitchers can finish seven innings. That's when your bullpen becomes most important. Who do you pay then? Do you pay your bullpen? Or do these star pitchers say, well, I want to be a bullpen guy and I get the same amount of numbers? What about the records that a lot of these pitchers had? A lot of baseball games were held in nine innings. What about the major, the MLB? No hitters, perfect games. Right, perfect games. Six, seven inning perfect games or nine inning perfect games. Now, you can fix that with different categories as time changes. You know, a lot of things have done been done this way. Um, 
we're talking about the um, and and it's crazy because when we talk about a pitcher's arm and, and a U, what is it UDL the ULD the surgery that they have the Tommy John we're talking about UCL. this and, yeah UCL yeah okay we talk about this and it's about pitchers and limited to the amount of injuries and surgeries they have and so moving the game to seven innings but we're talking when we talk football we're talking about adding two more games which is crazy to me. But what do you think about baseball moving seven innings? I think that they first should shorten the season as opposed to shortening each game. I mean, if you, it could be, and, and, and I mean that. I mean, if you shorten the season by, say, 30 games or 40 games, okay? 62 games. Each, <laughs> each uh, pitcher will have less starts. It'll be, it'll be the same thing, and you can, you can strategize around that with maybe having, only, having them only pitch five or six innings a game. I truly believe that the... Tommy John's surgery and everything in that regard, it's, it, it's, a, it's just collateral damage with how long you've pitched. You probably pitched since you were six years old. Pitch all the way. You pitch year-round when it comes to baseball. Year-round, you probably play two or three positions when you're younger. Well, you're, oh, you're, it's, in, it's not a natural throwing motion. It's not a natural throwing motion, especially with people like Clayton Kershaw and guys that have these wh- this whipping motion with a contorted, uh, a contorted wind-up. All of these things just come up. There's a right way to pitch, but all of these things that are leading up to this is what's causing these surgeries, especially with kids playing, going to college for two years and coming out, your body isn't fully developed with regards to your elbow and, and your arm is, the you know, human is, is a body, whole entity. The human body wasn't meant to run the way to run. You look at the, um, I want to say, was it Austria? Did Aristotle say that? No, no, Quan was saying this. You look at him, um, yeah. <laughs> You look at the, um, what I think it's, I want to say it's an ostrich, the way their legs are designed. Oh. That, is, that is the way, if you want to run, that is the way the, the legs are designed to run. Uh, throwing motions, I don't know, the human body is not meant to do a lot of things that we push it through. So seven, in, so seven endings, to me, makes sense. But, but when you look at shortening the season, look at over in Japan, you don't hear them about having seven. And I hear a lot of this during the radio talk and a lot of, a lot of TV shows. You don't hear about them having Tommy John's because they throw all year long. Well, yeah, but Tommy they, John himself threw all year long yeah, until I mean, he got into pitching every five days. They play through pain more in Japan, I think. No. I think that, what, first of all, what, okay, baseball? Dice well, K was throwing. At what's the rehab period after an injury, any type of injury, and are they allowing these guys to fully rehab before they put them back in again? I, I mean, mean, legitimately fully rehab the way the body needs to. Dice K was throwing you, 200 but, pitches a start when he was, when he was over there. You came out to Zaka, okay? So it's different over there. When you're, uh, it's different because they throw all year long. So, so do these guys? No, we, no, they don't. No, we don't. I, this is this is a boot camp, daycare camp, according to how Japan throw play baseball over there. Their pitchers throw all year long. We, when off season, we take off. Yeah. So, well, wouldn't that be more of a detriment than it helped to not getting Tommy John surgery? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think it strengthens it. I think that Tommy John surgery is now an epidemic and because I, I actually people really go don't to the know. doctor. People go to the doctor sooner now than they did twenty years ago. Every, okay, my sooner, my arm do feels they weird. Have as long as they should. I'm sorry? Because uh, do they, they might go to the doctor sooner because we have all this modern medicine, but do they allow, it's just like a concussion. Do you actually allow yourself to rehab length of time necessary for the body to fully repair before you go back in? You look at the, uh, you remember the Russians when they was on the cutting edge of all this medicine and it just happened to be called steroids today, uh, but they was on the cutting edge of all this, uh, this HGH stuff. 
Well, it was legal then, but when the Russians were taking it in the United States and they were beating some of our best players, like blowing them away when there's no, it was no way possible uh, to be able to do this or, or be that fast coming out of nowhere. Well, you get on the cutting edge of this, this medicine and this, and this stuff and this training. Their training was way beyond ours. They had different type of machines. It, it always put me in the mindset of the uh, Rocky movie with Drago. That's what it was. That no one has that great imagination. That was the training that these guys had, but they also had the medicine. So I think baseball um, with the Tommy John li- limited to seven games. But, but that's that's. I mean, if you look at it, that's these guys are pitching all year long. If they're not pitching all year, then their arms are not strengthened up. I know when baseball, when a professional athlete gets done with his season, he is done with his season. He is on vacation where he's not touching another football, not another baseball or a golf club. They are done. Over in Japan, they play all year long. Yeah, okay. So you have, I mean, there, there's been at least five or six pitchers right now that have said that they're having season-ending uh, Tommy John surgery. Okay, A couple of them have already had it once. Okay, so Deborah, to your point of the 12 to 18th month waiting period, you have to think from a business standpoint that they're getting paid that whole year that they're off. Right. Okay, yeah. so there has to be a happy medium with, say, okay, so say it's a two-year process, and you come back, and you'll come back better than ever in two years. You should not be allowed to get paid. You should get a prorated amount for when you're off. And this isn't me. Because he got this, hurt? Well, yeah, this isn't me tooting my own horn with the whole thing about the money and it being an issue in baseball. This is completely aside from that. I just truly believe that you should not, if you need to go do your due diligence even more with rehabbing and getting f- to full strength before coming back, you shouldn't be able to get paid for sitting on your behind or rehabbing an, an oh, extra six months. And I know, that, I know, rehabbing isn't something like that. Then let the team play for go over to Lloyd's of London. Let the team pay for a policy that if a player in this situation that's a pitcher that goes out there and busts their butt and is playing at the highest level that they can possibly play and they get injured with this type of injury, then let the insurance pay them for their time off so the team doesn't get affected and the player can can fully rehab and come back and do it again. That's a good point because if they don't get paid for for, for getting hurt, uh, I'm sure no one wants Tommy John surgery. No one no, wants no, an no. injury, but but not to get paid, get hurt. And that's ways to look at it. Deborah makes a good point with the with the uh, lowest the insurance. Also, if you're going to pay them, then pay them off the marketing you're going to do for selling their jerseys and all the advertising you've done. That's 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 a nice chunk of salary right there for the all season. And then make prorated their full season their that bonus or not the bonus, but the contract that year you can prorate that. But then that marketing part department about to go full speed ahead on sharing that marketing ability money with those guys. Well, right. that's the thing. It would cost the team a heck of a lot more money to pay for a policy like that than it would to pay for the injury. And again, insurance is betting, you know, the insurance bets that, uh, you know, nothing's going to go wrong and you're betting that something is. Um, but at the same time, if we're going to look at it as a business, that's a real business decision. It costs more to insure an athlete because of the injuries they already have. Well... I mean, and that's Depends fair. On what you're insuring but, them against. but okay, but then why why are they paying thing. people so much money, knowing the, that that's a risk? The premium is up. Clayton Kershaw got a thirty point seven million dollar contract per year for the next five years, or no, what seven years, something like that. He hasn't played. He hasn't pitched this year. <laughs> he pitched game one in Australia, and now he's out with, with a with a back pull. So that's the risk. Baseball I, have to spend that money. This that's always risk. happens. This always happens. You play it forward in baseball, and they pay it backwards. Okay, he's had a great he's had a great career for five years, and he could literally do nothing else again and make two hundred ninety or three hundred million dollars. Two thumbs up to him. 
what the what the owners doing? I don't. Well, they're they're trying to put keisters in the seats to watch maybe the best pitcher in baseball play, well, and they're know. and they're paying him. For, in an effort to make money back that way. Well, when you and started paying these guys that amount of money for for no reason, and when I say no reason, uh, you you can you can pay off potential. You can pay off what this guy's done already. There's certain ways you can pay players, uh, but when you're paying for when you when your numbers go up to 292 million dollars for a sport, and then we talk about in in the country, in the world, we got crisis. Well, I don't feel sorry for any of them owners when you pay that guy. You, it, you well, couldn't pay him if you didn't have that money. And that's fair, but it's the where is the drive once you get paid? And Deborah, we've talked about this. I know it's different with everybody, and well, I always talk guy. about Derek Jeter. We'll talk about it, I guess, tomorrow. I guess you guys <laughs> can talk about it tomorrow. I'm going to call in because i gotta, I got to hear this one. Kwamalasa Sports Talk, Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris. Tune in tomorrow. Listen to Alex rant about these players being paid. <laughs> for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.